everybody and welcome back to the Fleshbot podcast. We took a very long, very extended break from producing. I was on the hunt for our awesome, awesome co-host, Jilly Real, the lube lady from Wicked, and she is here today and I am so excited. Hello, Jilly. Hey. <laughs> so now I have a co-host and we are on, we're in different areas of the country. So I'm in Chicago and Jilly is in LA. LA-ish. LA-ish. I'm around. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So we're, we're actually in different time zones right now, but she is awesome and obsessed with Luke. Oh, thank you. Just like me. <laughs> <laughs> Which was the first thing that comment I was like, a lube lady, I must know her. <laughs> what happens? <laughs> what happens? So I won't give you guys the boring story of what we've been doing to get this back off the ground and why, but we are back. And for any new listeners, the Fleshbot podcast is where we interview a bunch of people from the adult industry. So porn stars, porn producers, directors, we have sex educators, sex experts, toy makers, business people behind the scenes, all sorts of stuff. And so today we actually, our very first guest for the kickoff is going to be Reed Mahalko from Read About Sex, which I'm so excited about. He's one of my favorite people to interview, just like the coolest dude ever. And like, obviously he's an incredible speaker. So he's going to hop on really soon. He's in Oregon right now. He travels all the time and he's going to a coffee shop to get on uh, really good Wi-Fi. That way our sound quality is as good as possible. They are going to have a great time in that coffee shop today. <laughs> I think about that a lot. Think about, I, I, <laughs> one of the episodes I interviewed Annabelle Beeks while she was getting a tattoo. Like, oh my gosh! So she's at the tattoo parlor, and so she had to. Have, we had to have like some kind of signal for when I asked her a question she couldn't answer, <laughs> <laughs> which was just great. But it was cool because you could hear the whole episode. You can hear the needle buzzing while she's doing oh my it. gosh and annabelle she's a ton of tattoos she's kind of known for that so it's very like authentic kind of really cool experience so so yeah rita's gonna be on in just a minute one of the segments we did want to do now that the fleshbot podcast has been reborn is a sex toy of the week since i test them a lot for work and jilly works at wicked <laughs> so we so i see them a lot yeah yeah <laughs> And I, I end up, I feel like reviewing not weird ones, but just like the, you know, the ones that catch my eye, I'm like, what does it do? (laughs) Right. What is that? What do you mean? And my favorite one actually that I, I reviewed this over a year ago, probably almost, no, probably a year and a half ago is a vaginal dumbbell. (laughs) So that's in my bedside table now. And it, it it does, it looks kind of like an old school telephone, but small, smaller, obviously, like with the bulbs on two ends, except they're more round, like all the way around, round. I'm just still back here thinking about, you know, the people I've dated and some of them are vaginal dumbbells, but that that's not what you're talking about here. <laughs> so uh. I do know what you mean. Uh, that's a different, yeah, different, yeah. different kind of vaginal dumbbell. Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm focusing now. So it's, it's, <laughs> I believe it's called the energy kegel trainer. It's my natural contours. And I started using, it so I was like, what, <laughs> what is this? What does it do? And the idea is you're supposed to like, while you're laying on your back, insert one end, it's a little bit smaller than the other end and like pull it up and release it and pull it up and release it. And the weight, it takes a lot of like control to keep it from like spinning over or 
falling out wow <laughs> essentially and sometimes when I, I used to feel kind of ridiculous sitting there using my little dumbbell and so i don't this is not like a recommended use for it but i would like put it in <laughs> and like take a shower and like try to hold it in while i was standing up and like do that <laughs> it's like i'm multitasking <laughs> Um, it's, you know, you could really tell people I work out, you know, I it, work out. it's just not what, not kind, you know, just I'm working out right now while I'm talking to you. I'm working out. You know? There's just been so much like hype around. Are you able to feel your vagina if it's not strong and stuff like that? And I was like, oh my God, I need a strong vagina. How do I do it? Do I have one? <laughs> so like, do you notice a difference? Um, is your, yeah, is your vagina yeah. strong now? <laughs> I do. And I feel like, I feel like my boyfriend, I feel like he's like, yeah, I, I can tell a difference. Like I can definitely, you, you're a good squeezer. And I'm like, that's all I ever wanted. <laughs> so, so I've been waiting my whole life yeah. for that compliment. <laughs> so for any other interested listeners, I'll put the link to that toy in the show notes. <laughs> all right, everyone. Reed is here. Reed Mahalko from Read About Sex. How's it going? Oh my goodness! It's so exciting. It's is I'm, it? I'm just I'm flat. Well, no, because I'm a nerd, <clears throat> and you're like, let's talk about sex, and so I'm like, I'm just trying to calmly and reservedly, um, not gleek uh, out too much. Uh, but yes, I'm I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. I actually I'm a I'm a big fan. I have um a sex geek summer camp sticker on my laptop. <laughs> so I, I'm a big fan. I haven't been to, to sex geek summer camp yet. I've got to raise the funds for it, but it's on my bucket list for sure. So I'm really excited too. So, well, well you could start your little Kickstarter for, for your listeners to send you to sex geek summer camp. Send me to um, sex come geek on everybody. Let's, <laughs> let's get everybody to the, in the podcast over to, uh, to our little five day retreat. Oh, that sleep away summer camp. That'd for be so cool. <laughs> That's a dream. That's a career, a career slash life goal. So I think for, uh, obviously we know who you are, but just for our listeners who may not be familiar with Reed's work, he runs readaboutsex.com and he is a relationship, life, sex coach. He is an educator. He's, you gotta visit his website to fully understand because he's amazing. But how would you describe what you do, Reed? Well, I'm, I, I mostly what I do is try to help people not go through what I saw my mom and dad, you know, the hell that they put each other through, just mm-hmm. not being good at communicating right. um, and not being able to work through their upsets and, you know, just talk about what their wants and needs and desires were. So like the deep answer is I'm just trying to help people not go through what I and my brothers went through watching two people who loved each other, you know, basically tear each other apart. Yeah. Um, and just kind of learning at an early age that love isn't enough because, you know, my mom and dad stayed together till my mom passed away first. Um, but you know, and it was obvious how much they loved each other because we would catch them making out and snuggling all the time when we were younger, Mm -hmm. but their inability, excuse me, their inability to communicate eventually, you know, while they stayed together, till my mom passed away like they were just very very angry and a lot of rage and my mom started drinking to cope my dad became a workaholic because he thought money Mm -hmm. would fix everything and you know like i just want to help people not go through that yeah and then for me figuring out who i was as a as a very insecure child of an alcoholic who would eventually have to wrestle with the fact that i'm not monogamous and, 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 and am, in fact, very slutty and very promiscuous. 
Um, but wanting to do a good job and like, how do you sleep with a lot of people and have them all be happy with you? Um, and you know, so from a, uh, a slutty guy perspective, you know, while culture says I'm allowed to sow my, my wild oats, um, I really want people to be happy with me and have a good time and recommend that their friends sleep with me. And so like, how do you do that? Uh, and then how do you do that when you're a guy who really likes hanging out with feminists who aren't known to be necessarily uh, stereotypically friendly to slutty white guys? Um, and so if you're interested in any of that information, I have, I have volumes to tell uh, from having traversed the wilds of, of alternative sexuality. And if I can sleep with a lot of people and not have anyone mad at me, I can probably help you have better sex and better relationships if you're monogamous and just want to sleep with one person a lot. Right, uh, right. So, you know, I go by many names. Some people call me the America's Favorite Sex Geek. Um, I have been called the Tom Hanks of sex education, so I don't really know what that means. Um, <laughs> That's but, awesome. You know, it makes me want to smack somebody's ass and yell, Wilson! Uh, for, those, for those people <laughs> oh who know the gosh. movie reference. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, I'm a, I'm a lot of things and I try to use a lot of humor and, you know, just being a dork naturally to get people to feel like we can talk about sex and not have it feel like going to the dentist. Right. That's that's a really good way to put it, actually. It's not yeah. like a painful conversation. Exactly. That's that's pretty that's pretty fantastic. Yeah. And we're we're in this weird place now. And I think culturally we're there's a zeitgeist moment happening where, you know, intersectionality and, you know, terms that some people get really weird about like systemic oppression and racism and things like that like there there are a lot of <clears throat> men out there who mean really well like they want to do a good job and they want to leave women or men or trans folk like whoever they they sleep with or whoever they just hang out with like there are a lot of men out there who want to do a good job but unless you're hanging out with the right people who are willing to kind of show you the ropes. Um, and I'll just talk about, you know, being a cisgendered guy um, and being a white guy, like unless you know the right people who are willing to kind of mentor you a little bit, the world has feels all of a sudden really like an angry place for men. And mm -hmm. the, the challenge is for the guys out there who are listening, like, find the resources so that you can learn the ropes because it's not it's not difficult but if you don't know the resources then it is difficult like being a decent human being and savvy around political discourse and you know ideas like feminism and race and things like that it's it's actually simple to understand those things it's it's easy to understand them if you have the right guide or the right um information and then all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, like the world can be really threatening or not feel safe or not be easy for women. Mm -hmm. uh, the world can be really, you know, fucked up if you're not, uh, you know, if you're a person of color um, in this day and age around immigration. Like if yeah. you're maybe you were born in this country, but maybe your parents got here illegally. And so there's a lot of fear and weirdness going on. And so this is a conversation about what privilege is and how do you navigate and make the world a better place 
as as somebody who has privilege, whatever that is, right? Because you could be rich, mm-hmm. you could be beautiful, you could be young. Um, but if you're a rich, you know, young, handsome <clears throat> white guy, maybe no one's talked to you about privilege. Mm-hmm. And if you're, you know, a dude who wants to sleep with seven people at the same time, knowing how to navigate all of this intersectionality gets you laid more. And I'm living proof because because I'm proof that you can be this weird and this dorky and people will still fuck you. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) That is an inspiration for many. Uh, Yeah, just for everyone. That's fantastic. (laughs) And a good point. A good point that that uh, being being more aware can definitely be uh, be in your favor. But it does seem I feel like I feel like the world is. I mean, I say this as as a feminist, like, I feel like the world does seem like a very angry place for men. And I know that can create the wrong kind of resentment on the other side where they're like, but I know mm-hmm. I'm a good guy. Like, why? You know, so it's definitely keeping that conversation open both ways seems to be super important. So that's a good point. So how do you apply all this to, to group sex? Well, where would you like to begin? <laughs> <laughs> so before before we jump into uh, what what we have collectively named the group sex spring training episode, <laughs> slash just, uh, we did we're 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 starting off all of these talks with asking just a few get to know you questions that are not related to sex. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're, I'm going to ask you just a few questions. It'll be super short, but. Yeah. Just to kind of get an idea of uh, who you are and get going on this. Um, yeah. So our first get to know you question today is, what's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Oh, my goodness. Um, usually, it's, it's I, I run to the bathroom and have to go pee. Uh, <laughs> mostly because I've been trying to stay more hydrated and uh, drink more water throughout the day. Uh, so there's usually that kind of, you know, I, I have to run to the bathroom. Uh, after that... I make uh, coffee. That's my thing. Uh, I'm I'm not addicted to caffeine, but I love it. And so, for my nerds and geeks out there, I do drink bulletproof coffee. Uh, Ooh, yeah, for yeah. Anybody, uh, You know, so I'm the I'm the the dork that is putting butter and concentrated coconut oil in their coffee, and all my friends are like, "What are you doing? You're weird." <laughs> I've always wondered is that is it, it so is that supposed to suppress your appetite? Um, it does a bunch of different things. Um, for those people who are super nerdy, you can just like Google Bulletproof Coffee or uh, Dave Asprey, whose podcast I think is called The Bulletproof Executive. Yeah. Um, you can learn all kinds of stuff about Bulletproof Coffee. But the, but the whatever you call it, um, and, and Dave Asprey didn't discover it. He kind of, you know, the X-Men origin story for him is that he was, you know, hiking the Alps of Tibet or someplace, and, uh, and he, he came upon a goat herder who took him into his tent to, to you know, give him a snack because in itinerant cultures, if you meet a traveler, you feed them because you, know, you want the kindness returned. Um, and he fed him you know, tea with yak's milk in it, and Dave Asper is like, what the fuck is, why are you putting yak's? <laughs> or like, not even yak's milk, yak butter. And he's like, what? But then he felt amazing on the rest of his hike the rest of the day. And so he had to research this because he's a nerd um, and a caffeine dork as well. And so basically the, the reason you might want to have uh, butter and concentrated coconut oil in your coffee in the morning is yes, it's an appetite suppressant, but the reason it's an appetite suppressant is that your brain prefers to run on fat, not on sugar. Mm. 
And so when you give your body enough fat, especially early in the morning, then your brain is like, oh, dude, we've got enough energy. We've got fuel to burn. And then it's not your brain's not telling your body that it's starving. And so you're not getting food cravings from your body trying to make sure that it has enough fuel for the day. So one of the ideas is that if you wake up in the morning and you just dump a bunch of carbs in your system, toast or cereal or whatever, then the minute your blood sugar level starts to go back down, your brain starts freaking out and then tells your body, you know, hey, we need more fuel. But if, mm-hmm. you, if you ingest a, a, you know, good kinds of fat, um, then your brain is super happy and then you just, you don't have cravings until later in the day when your when your brain's starting to run out of fuel. Um, so I love it and, uh, I've been doing it for a couple of years now and then everybody should check it out. Like, you know, <clears throat> anything that I say on this podcast or if, if anybody ever hears my advice anywhere, there is the, you know, the caveat that go try this for yourself and see what works for you. Take the advice of mine that, that is useful and use it. And then the stuff that doesn't, isn't your jam or or doesn't work for you, like just chuck it. Like you're not broken. Um, just go find the tools that work for you and then go build the life you want. Um, these are just ideas and things that have been working really well for me and seem to work for other people, but this is not the way. Um, so I just want to, you know, mention that like, go, go test drive things for yourself. I like and it. See what I can I'll yes, add, a, I'll, I'll add a link to in the show notes to Bulletproof Coffee and the Bulletproof Executive. Second question. Do you believe yeah. in aliens or ghosts? Um, can I believe in ghost aliens? Yeah, you can believe in, you, can you believe know, in I you believe, want. I believe in, I believe in ghosting aliens because oh, yeah. you know yeah. they, the anal <laughs> the anal probe I thought was a really special moment, and then they don't text again, <laughs> they don't email, so just getting fucking uh, ghosted, oh, getting man. fucking ghosted by aliens. And I thought we had something special. I thought Did we had they buy special. you dinner before the probe? Um, no, but it, but they did offer oh. me snacks during. Okay, and, all right. Well, yeah, wasn't and then, all and that then, bad. And they let me be the little spoon, which I thought was really special. Oh. That that is very special. <laughs> <laughs> and last Those question: big alien. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> last matters. question: If you could max a credit card out anywhere, where would it be? Oh my goodness. Kind of credit card is one of those like crazy AMX cards that you see, and you're like, "Oh my god, I've never seen one that color." You must yeah. Have, like, yeah, you must have a limit where I could buy an island. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it it's like those. the one my girlfriends in Hollywood are often looking for. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> um, gosh, uh, well, uh, well, there's two answers. There's the nerd part of me, which is I'd like to go to Comic Con and just max it out there. Um, because I like comic books and things like that. Um, if, uh, because I'm a, a sex geek and I do a lot of videos and, you know, I, I create courses and, and, you know, like to be on podcasts. The other side of me would like to go to kind of like B and H photo, uh, or someplace where there's a lot of like good tech for filmmaking and podcasting and just buy a bunch of bomb diggity gear so that we can make more amazing content out there to help people with sex and relationships but if it was one of these these you know cards that we search for in hollywood um i would just go buy an island somewhere 
like maybe awesome. off of you know some tropical place because you be awesome would invite have, us right yes i mean we'd have like <laughs> podcasting group sex island it would be great oh, but, you know, that's not fantastic. in that not in that weird like dr moreau island you know where we're creating you know science fiction monsters no not like that <laughs> it would be it would be like sex geek retreat Sex Geek Island, and oh I'd be God, like the yes. Rourke. Ooh. I'd be like the Rourke of Fantasy Island. Like, smiles, everyone. Dildos, everyone. Dildos. <laughs> Dildos, everyone. <laughs> I see a reality show in the making. Somebody's yes. gonna call you after this. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully somebody key is listening to this episode, and they're like, "All right, we have an investment we need to make." Mm-hmm. And hopefully, we're the first. We're the all invited to it. So, <laughs> I would love that. But, okay, so before we get into our group sex advice really quickly, I know you were saying that that uh, your parents' marriage was a lot of the inspiration for starting to learn about all of this so you could, co- you could coach people and help them to have much better relationships mm-hmm. and to communicate better and stuff. But one thing that I am perpetually completely fascinated with and think is so cool is kind of the transition between, okay, this is something I want to learn about and eventually want to help people with, and then the connect to where you've accumulated so much knowledge that you are able to start actively coaching and helping people. Is there, what, how mm-hmm. did you make that transition? Like how did you become the awesome coach that you are now from, from the beginning? Yeah. I mean, the, the pivotal moment was, there are two pivotal moments. One, um, there, I, before I was a sex educator and, and like different lifetimes of mine, I was a comic book illustrator and a martial artist who, you know, taught karate back in college. Um, I became a bartender in college to help pay for college and eventually would move to New York City to, under the guise of, I wanted to be the next Chuck Norris and kind of get into acting, but mostly because I tried to pay for college with bartending and doing illustration as an artist. And so I was so burnt out with art uh, I thought, well, maybe I'll try acting because that sounds like fun. I'm a martial artist. Maybe I could be the next Chuck Norris or Bruce Lee or something like that. But if it all fell apart, I could probably get a job at Marvel Comics because I'd intern there back in college. What was going on underneath the surface, which I wasn't aware of, was as a bartender, I was allowed to talk to people about sex and relationships because you're kind of culturally approved to not mm-hmm. be creepy if you ask people if they're getting laid. It's kind of like bartending and being a hairdresser those yeah. are the two those are the two surrogate therapy uh vocations where you're allowed to talk about sex and no one thinks you're creepy i mean you can be a creepy bartender but more or less like it's not weird if the bartender asks you if you're if you're getting laid these days or your hairdresser like nobody thinks twice about having conversations like that so as i was bartending All I was doing was talking to people every night about sex and relationships because underneath the surface, I was trying to figure out how not to repeat all the mistakes my mom and dad made. And I was sexually active. You know, I became sexually active in college and I was just trying to figure out like, what the fuck do you do Mm -hmm. with people's genitals? Because, you know, I was really the insecure kid of an alcoholic who was emotionally abusive when she was drunk. And, And when my mom was sober and you know my mom and dad were awesome and they tried their best but you know when they were angry at each other it just spilled over onto the rest of the family so as i was bartending i was trying to figure out these answers not knowing that that was what was going on 
when okay. I moved to New York City, I became an actor. Acting went pretty well. Uh, I was making a living at it and bartending on the side just to fill in the gaps in between gigs. And one of those gaps uh, that I, you know, was me bartending in all these different bars all over Manhattan. So now I was talking to people from all over the world because Manhattan was such an international city. And I eventually got a job on a soap opera, which is now defunct, but the soap opera was Guiding Light. And again, like everybody would come to me for advice and I just never thought anything of it because I was a bartender who just loved talking about this stuff. And one day on Guiding Light, uh, all the producers at once kind of circled me on set in between takes and like when producers come and talk to you while you're working that's 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 either the best sign ever or it's the worst sign ever it's like it's like getting called down to the principal's office um and so all of a sudden i'm being surrounded by all the producers and i'm like oh shit i'm 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 in trouble somehow i'm in trouble and they basically took me aside and they're like reed we thought we owed this to you but we all your name came up in our meeting this morning and we all realized that we've all come to you for relationship advice and your advice. We all agree that your advice is better than the advice we get from our therapists. And we all have therapists. Some of us have too. And we just thought we should tell you that we think you should go pro. Like we think you really should consider charging money for your relationship advice. And then of course I'm like, are you guys firing me? Is this is a nice way. Is this a nice way of telling oh, wow. me that I'm a bad actor? And, and one of the producers, who's a good friend of mine, is like, "Well, I mean, you could be a better actor, but your relationship advice is by far the best advice I've ever gotten." And that was so. That was the first moment of me like, really, like, wow. I I don't know what to do with this. Like, I never thought about doing this as a career. Um, and it would take me a couple of years to get the the chutzpah and and the gonads to run a workshop but since i was a you know karate instructor for so long i'm like okay well i know how to teach things and what would i teach people and my first workshop uh was a dismal you know failure only two people showed up but then the the next workshop i created was a workshop called cuddle party and i i launched that in 2004 just as a fun idea and it was a non-sexual workshop around touch and communication and intimacy, non-sexual intimacy, and that to me that's cuddling. And I grew up in a very cuddly family, and so I created a thing called Cuddle Party in 2004, and that became a huge news story because New Yorkers were paying money to cuddle, and every news agency on the planet wanted to cover that because it was like the feel-good, weird human interest story of the year. You went viral. And so then. Yeah, and so then all of a sudden, I'm on Montel Williams, my co-founder in Cuddle Party, Marsha Baczynski. She was in People Magazine. Like, we were everywhere. And that, that was actually the, the tipping point moment where it launched me in the media. And since I had a film and TV background, I knew how to talk to the media. And, and then we were just off to the races. And now, you know, that was 2004. So now, in, you know, all these years later... Um, Cuddle Party still exists. It's taught in different languages and in different countries. But I stepped away from Cuddle Party because I wanted to teach blowjob workshops and how to throw orgies, um, which, by the way, how you throw a play party is, is almost identical to how you throw a cuddle party because the communication, the communication tools for how you create 
a safe space for people to explore intimacy. Those are the same tools. It's just when it's cuddling, you keep your pajamas on and you keep it non-sexual. And when it's an orgy, you can take your pajamas off and you can negotiate whatever it is that you want. There, it's it's the same situation. It's just a it's just a continuity approach. Like, I see. Or, uh, yeah. Well, that's awesome. And and now and now I'm on your podcast and here we are. Some people, yeah, and here <laughs> we are. Oh, that's I, it's pretty funny too. I like I, I'm sitting here listening and I'm reflecting on my own life so far, like how I ended up in this industry and my parents divorced when I was like 11 and I definitely went down the road of like okay how do people do how do people do this better <laughs> how do we like not have this happen to everyone so maybe that's a thing that a lot of us have in common that is very true like so like a lot of people have had the experience of growing up or knowing somebody who grew up in a weird family situation where just bad communication skills a lot of anger and upset um, and then most people have grown up in cultures where we're not encouraged to talk about sex mm-hmm. and talk about our desires or we're supposed to feel ashamed. And, you know, a lot of people think about or have considered or fantasize about group sexual dynamics. But if you're not even talking about one-on-one sex, how are you supposed to start, you know, sharing with your loved ones that you'd like to have a fivesome? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. It's, but I guess that that does bring us to group sex spring training. So <laughs> here we here we great are. Great segue. <laughs> Which is yeah, a great segue. So I know that this is something that you teach to a lot of people, especially after kind of realizing mm-hmm. in your own life that you were maybe not monogamous. Um, so as far as group sex goes, a lot of our listeners are heterosexual. A lot of them are monogamous. A lot of them are also polyamorous and, you know, in open relationships and stuff like that. But I guess to start from the beginning, when you are teaching people how to have that conversation with their partner, like, Hey, I would like to start having sex in larger groups. Or if you're single, how you start finding a community that fosters that. What do you normally tell mm-hmm. people who are just totally clueless going into it? Well, there's there, the the biggest bit of advice. So, because I because I teach a how to negotiate successful threesomes workshop all over the country, and I teach it in Canada as well. I teach a a group sex dynamics workshop. It's called plays well with others. Um, and you know, the, the foundational piece in all of those and just in relationships in general is I'm going to tell people develop the ability to talk about the things that you're afraid to talk about, which is just really great life advice. And And your ability in your relationships or in your friendships or even if you're single, um, your ability to talk about the things that you're afraid are going to ruin the moment, that is a superhero skill. Because if you can talk about sex openly or talk about, you know, you want to have a threesome um, or, or that you're even just you're kind of fantasizing about a threesome. Like, because you can talk about stuff and it never has to happen. Most people just want to be loved for who they are. So I've had, I've had monogamous couples come to my threesome workshop and share, you know, we never want to have a threesome. And this actually happened in a class. Like I asked people, you know, what, why are you here? What are you interested in? And this couple, you know, who was in their 60s, 
raise their hand and they're like, we, we never want to have a threesome. And like everyone looked at them and I'm like, you realize this is a threesome workshop. And they're like, yes, we know. And I'm like, why are you here then if you never want to have one? <laughs> you know, and, and, and the entire audience kind of craned their head and everyone's looking at them. And they, both of them, shit-eating grins on their face, say, we just want to know we could have a threesome. And then it was like, <laughs> oh, you dirty <sighs> birds. Like, and, and everyone, <laughs> like, everyone got it. Like, they're like, you're going to learn how to have a threesome. You're going to go home and you're going to bone each other talking about the threesome that you could have if you wanted to. And that was really hot. Like, it was interesting how empowering just knowing that you could do something, yeah. that you have more choice in your life, that you can be loved for your fantasies and for the things that you're curious about, whether you ever do them or not. And it all, it all begins with your ability to have the difficult conversations, to have the scary conversations and building relationships where you know that you and your loved ones can talk about anything. That's a healthy relationship in a way that my mom and dad could only yell at each other mm -hmm. as, a, as a means of trying to like let off the pressure that built up from not talking about stuff. So, so the first step for everybody is develop the ability, the emotional, you know, courage to talk about the scary stuff because your ability to talk about the scary stuff will also allow you to speak up in bed when something doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And, and when you can be that kind of courageous and people can trust you to speak up, then people start to feel safer around you. And, you know, one of the reasons I get laid so much is because people feel really safe around me and trust me to talk to them about stuff that is scary mm -hmm. or speak up in the middle of sex um, or to talk about something afterwards that felt weird and to continue to show up for those conversations until the weirdness goes away. Right. The other, the other benefit to this is you will scare people away from you by talking about the scary stuff. True. And that's how you know you shouldn't be sleeping with those people. Like we spend so much time and like in the pickup artist community and things like that, um, you know, it's all about strategy to get people to, to opt in um, or to be attracted to you. And my strategy is scare everybody away who doesn't belong there. Oh, that is so good. By being Just honest and read out the drama. Yeah. And so, and, and do it lovingly. Like, don't do it mean, but be like, oh, mm -hmm. if you're not into threesomes, then we shouldn't have a threesome together. <laughs> yeah. Duh. Like, I'm not going to try to curse you or you. But then what happens is if I really respected you, and this is, and this is where you know, like, I'm, t I'm talking to the men right now. Um, I'm talking to the straight men because in gay culture, it's a little different, but it's still similar because you can have abusive and weird behavior in gay culture too. But as a straight guy or as a, as a man, whatever your sexuality, who likes to play with women or people who identify as women, um, when you respect somebody's boundaries, like somebody doesn't want to have a threesome, you're like, oh my goodness, thank you so much for telling me that. Then we shouldn't have a threesome. I'll go have a threesome with somebody else. Like, thank you so much for sharing what your truth is. 
when you respect people's boundaries like that, in a world where so many women do not have men respecting their boundaries, if I had $5 for every woman that I invited or asked if they were interested in group sex and they said no, and I said, thank you so much for taking care of yourself, who came back to me a year or two years later and they're like, you know what, I've been thinking about threesomes and I think I want to have my first threesome with you because you respected my boundaries so many years ago. Like, I would have a lot of $5 bills if that happened. That's awesome. That's awesome. I so, think- wow. like, I'm telling guys, like, respect people's boundaries. It gets you laid more. That's such good advice. <laughs> we have to put that on blast everywhere. <laughs> And I'm glad you I'm glad you brought up uh, pickup artist culture too. I think that's something really interesting, and it's it's a big paradigm shift. I know I had it in my own life, but to to go from the perspective of either I want everyone to opt in, like you said, or to be attracted to me, or to want to sleep with me, or want to date me, or I feel like everyone should, or you know, kind of moving from that that perspective into I'm only trying to attract the people who are like me. I think you you say that. If I if I'm incorrect, let me know. But isn't it date your species that you you will yeah. say? Yeah, where yeah, it's just kind of species. where it's kind of like okay, no, I'm not trying to make everyone like me. I'm trying to find the right people who just do already. Yeah, that's a yeah, big and that, shift. And it's and it's a huge shift because the old paradigm around sex and relationships is you're you're trying to convince people or seduce people into liking you or into saying yes. And, and, and so what ends up happening in pickup culture, um, and, and again, like, I'm not trying to demonize pickup culture, but if you really research the origins of how pickup culture came into being, and, you know, I've, I eventually ended up helping Neil Strauss, who wrote um, the game, I actually helped him with his next book, the, the one truth. that, uh, the, d- yeah. the truth, and, and, you know, Neil's been very, very kind and, you know, acknowledging how much I helped him figure out something he needed to figure out so that he could be happily married and have a kid and start a family. Um, and, you know, and that Neil came to one of my orgies. It's in the book and he talks about that. And so, you know, the approach of being transparent and not having an agenda or owning your agenda. Um, if you want to be a slutty, promiscuous guy, it's really not about phone numbers. It's really about are the women that you're sleeping with recommending their friends to come sleep with you? Let that be the new metric for how successful you are as a pickup artist. Ooh, I like because that. Because unless the people you're banging, I'm talking to the guys now, unless the people you're banging are sending their friends to you to bang, I don't care how many phone numbers you get. Yeah, that's fantastic. And if you you measure success by how many women you sleep with who are not mad at you, that I think is the new metric for success. It's not how many people you sleep with. Right. Right. I think I was reading an old interview that, of all people, Hugh Hefner did. It was in, like, 2007 in his, um, I think it was the New York Times. And he says in it, you know, I've slept with thousands of women, but they all still like me. (laughs) Which was, like, an interesting start to the interview. It just reminded me of that. But that's, um, that's a, I'm fascinated in that link to 
pickup artist culture, and I did not know that you worked with Neil Strauss. I mean, I've I've read the game. I have not yet read the truth. I'm going to, but that's a really that's a really cool fact. I did not know about your career. That's cool. Yeah, it was a it, you know what, and it was a pleasure. Like Neil, I, I, you know, a good friend of mine uh, called me and said, "Hey, you're going to get a phone call. Please take the phone call." And I'm like, "Who is it?" And he's like, "It's Neil Strauss." And I'm like, "The guy who wrote the game." And and he was like, "Yeah." He goes, and "I'm like, really, really?" <laughs> like, and he's why? like, he's like, listen. He's like, Neil's a friend of mine, and I need you to take the call. And I'm like, I'm, I'm go- only doing it because you told me to. Like, you asked me as a friend, and I trust this guy uh, implicitly, my friend Lawrence. And so I took the call, and Neil and I talked about what he was trying to do with the new book he was writing. And Neil was very kind. He's like, listen, he goes, your name keeps coming up. And everyone says, you know, that as far as, like, a guy who sleeps with a lot of people like you're the guy to talk to and i'm like well i'm flattered but like let me you know let's see how i can you know i'll tell you everything i do or whatever it is to know and again like it's for me getting laid is is about healthy relationships and so the skill sets and the and the approaches it's not a technique but it's like how do you be a decent human being Mm -hmm. to people and then how do you own that you know your sexuality and own it in a way that in, encourages other people to own their sexuality. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's not, it's not difficult. The things that I would recommend, they're very simple. Um, but that doesn't mean it's easy to implement because we get so much bad programming from culture and not everybody wants to have group sex. True. True. Like it, it's okay to, it's okay to try things and then be like, Oh, that was interesting. I'm glad I, I had a threesome, but I don't think I like them. Yeah. And then there'll be some people who are like, I'm glad I had one. I would like more. And again, it's a, the, the beginning step is how do you talk about the things you're afraid to talk about? Cause you're afraid it's going to ruin the moment. And when you have that kind of courage and you talk about the things that you're afraid are going to ruin the moment and they don't ruin the moment, that's how you know, move to the next step of the process. And if they do ruin the moment, thank everybody for taking care of themselves and don't try to push it. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so is Neil, is Neil Strauss, are they, are, is his marriage monogamous or is he, are they poly or? They're, they are, um, the way that I think he currently talks about it is that they're monogamish. Like Dan Savage's term. They, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like they're they're open to being open mm-hmm. when the opportunity makes sense. Okay, that's a that's you know, a, that's a cool yeah, yeah. Um, which go ahead. Which is which is good advice for just people in general. Like you know, just because you're you're monogamous doesn't mean you need to close down options or anything like that. You can still right. talk about things. And right. just because you're poly doesn't mean you have to be sleeping with everyone you meet. True. Very true. I think one one topic that a lot of people in my life ask a lot that I think you would have probably like the best insight on is a lot of people don't know if um, if they are some like if they are inclined toward monogamy or toward polyamory or toward open relationships. And it sounds like a very straightforward thing to know about yourself. 
but I have a lot of friends, for example, who, you know, slept with a lot of people until they were in their current relationship and they're just fine oh. being monogamous, but they're like, but I like also sleeping with lots of people. Like, is there to you an indicator that's like, okay, maybe monogamy is not suited toward me, even though like when I'm single, I like to sleep with a lot of people is I'm, I'm not sure if that question made any sense. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, th- I think there are a lot of people that are kind of, um, they're like, you know, you, you might have a favorite, this is going to be a bad analogy probably, but like you might have a favorite breakfast, like you love eggs and bacon, mm-hmm. but when you wake up in the morning and you're hungry, like there are, there are lots of breakfast foods that work. You don't think twice about them. Like you're like, oh, well, you know, oatmeal is great, you mm-hmm. know, but I wouldn't want to have oatmeal every day. Um, you know, so some people I think are very flexible or adaptable. So depending on the needs of the relationship, they can kind of make do with what they have and be very happy and satisfied. Yeah, that makes sense. And so if you're dating somebody who likes to have group sex, like my partner, Allison and I, we've been together 10 years now. And, you know, when we met, you know, the first sex we ever had was in a fivesome. And, you know, Allison's kind of in a place right now where, you know, she's not really into group sex. You know, she has a girlfriend, she has me, and, you know, she's writing a book. So she's fine. She's got, you know, she's got her three love affairs, her girlfriend, myself, and the book that she's writing. And, you know, for me, I like having a lot of group sex. And so I just have my group sex with other people. Because if Allison's not in the mood, it's fine. Like, I can, I can sleep with my other friends. And, you know, what we have and what the needs we get out of our relationship aren't really about the group sex or about the, you know, the monogamy or whatever. It's, it's we support each other in building the lives that, um, that we want to build. And we just keep checking in to make sure that we're still a good fit for each other. And we have just real honest conversations about what our needs are. She doesn't have to fulfill all my needs, and I don't have to fulfill all of her needs, but we have enough overlap that we have a really happy, fulfilling, thrilling relationship. So for some people, I think like, they, they fall into that category of what culture told you you're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. and it kind of works. Like You're supposed to be having eggs and bacon for breakfast, and then they're like, yeah, like I like eggs and bacon. That's fun. But, you know, it's, it's when you start asking yourself, well, what else, what would make my world even better? You know, like yeah. maybe it's eggs and bacon and a Bloody Mary would make it oh, even better. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but then you, you start to feel ashamed because I can't have a Bloody Mary on a Monday. <laughs> That's bad. Right? Yes, you can. But then, like, <laughs> exactly. But then it's like, okay, so you're adults. You're adults. What, what do you need? To have your life work, like don't show up to work drunk. That's not cool. But you know, if you want to have a bloody mary every once in a while, go ahead. So you know, to apply this to monogamy, I don't know why we got on breakfast foods, but I like it. Um, maybe I'm hungry. But like, <laughs> yeah, but, me you know, too. If you want to apply that to monogamy, you're like, you know, hey, honey, like I really like sleeping with different bodies and different people every once in a while. You know, if if I if we were going to build that into our relationship, what would, how could we do that in a way that left you feeling honored and cherished and loved? Well, that's a like, great way to put it. Yeah. 
yeah, like, is there a way for us to do this mm-hmm. and and have and have my life work and right. have our lives together work? Um, but people don't talk about that because they can't even admit that they'd like to have, you know, sex with other people. Right. right. So the conversation never gets started. Um, and then this is the same kind of thing where if you want to have group sex, you need to admit to yourself you'd like to have group sex. Then ask yourself the question, like, how do I have that in a way that leaves everybody feeling honored and cherished and and loved as human beings, even if it's just casual sex? Mm-hmm. Because we don't teach people how to take their casual sex seriously. Ooh, that's good. That's really good, too. It's another... I don't even know what to call them. I'm going to call them readisms. That's a great one. <laughs> that taking we, casual we can, sex yes, seriously. We'll, <laughs> yeah. And so when you start to approach it from that perspective, then, you know, the, the next thing that I would teach people in my courses, and, and again, like if people want resources about group sex, um, probably the easiest link to go to is, uh, is readaboutsex.com forward slash play party. Just one word, play party. Um, and then they can sign up for, because I have a bunch of handouts and videos and, and, you know, then there's courses and things like that too, but there's a bunch of free resources, uh, about play parties and group sex and threesomes and things like that. So that's probably the easiest link to go to, but, but the next thing is ask yourself where, where are people who are also wanting to explore these things? Where do they hang out? Like if we're dating our species, where are the watering holes? that people who are curious about group dynamics, where do they hang out? Because when you find those people who are also interested in that, you asking people or geeking out with people about group sex doesn't feel weird because they're already, they're looking for, for information and, and they want to feel like they're not alone in the universe too. True. Whereas if you just blurt out, if you just blurt out at Thanksgiving dinner you know, hey, have you guys ever thought about a threesome? Like, that could be really weird. Yeah, grandma might not be on board with that. Yeah, that would be uh... <laughs> or, or grandpa, you know, grandma might be like, your grandfather and I love threesomes. Oh, my God. You don't want to hear that. Hilarious. <laughs> Do you have any, any watering holes you recommend couples who have had that talk and they're like, yeah, group sex, let's do it. But they're not, they have no idea what the answer to that question is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a couple of different uh there's a couple of different dynamics. So for when you start geeking out on group sexual dynamics, then there's what can be really helpful is to kind of figure out like what flavor of group sex you might be into. Um, So the big group sex breakdown, and again, like these are just my opinions and people can write, email me and and be like, Reed, you're wrong. And you know, they're probably right. Maybe I am wrong, but generally speaking, there's swinging there's polyamory, there's kink, and then there's there's a, a whole other category that we could just call gay. Um, and what I mean by the gay piece is like gay male culture, uh, there is a lot of um, <clears throat> group sex and, and there, there can be a lot of group sex dynamics that isn't necessarily labeled inside of gay culture as polyamory. Um, or swinging or kink, but they still apply. And and the difference between kink and swinging is basically swinging tends to be very straight-ish where female bisexuality is encouraged, but male bisexuality in most swing communities is not encouraged. Right. 
So if you want to if you want to bring a swing party to a grinding halt, be a dude and just put another dude's penis in your mouth, and that will usually stop the party um, and just have the music go. Only because <clears throat> the way that a lot of swing communities have been traditionally is it's very heteronormative and straight-ish. There's there are swing communities where male bisexuality is more. Um, available or more accepted these days but traditionally it wasn't really a uh, guy on guy stuff wasn't really a thing polyamory is a lot more queer friendly and male bisexuality friendly but polyamory the difference between poly and swinging reductively speaking is in poly you're allowed to have sex with other people and if you fall in love that's okay in swinging you're allowed to have sex with other people but you're but you're not supposed to fall in love with anybody Right. And it's really about like just keeping things simple. For swingers, not falling in love is way easier and more simple than for poly people because for poly people, it's like, well, not falling in love is weird. Like, that's really complicated. Like, how do you not fall in love with people that you just love and think right. are awesome? Like, it's just easier for poly people to have the permission to fall in love. Doesn't mean it's easier. You know, multiple relationships and, and even having sex with multiple people at the same time, that's, that's complex, air quotes, considered to what most society thinks is possible. So, you know, if you're interested in group sex, you're already somebody who's an overachiever, and you just like it complex, probably. But when you break it down, complex is really just a bunch of simple things stacked on top of itself. True. So, for poly folk being able to fall in love is easier than trying to prevent falling in love. And for swinging, keeping things simple means don't fall in love. Okay. The kink world, the kink world is, is more about, um, tens, you know, kink, you can have kinky swingers, you can have kinky poly people. Um, and then kink is also a place where there can be monogamy, where kink is more about exploring things that are erotic to your brain and a turn on to your body that are kind of not traditionally thought of as, you know, cult culturally prescribed sex. Okay. Again, it's just, it's more starting to understand your, the communities that you're looking for, where you want to start asking people. And they're not going to be surprised that you're curious about a threesome or curious about a gangbang or curious about an orgy or a play party. And there are communities that are play party communities where they get together and have orgies on a semi-regular basis um i live in oakland when i'm not on the road and you know san francisco and oakland have a lot of different play party communities and if you're looking for play party community of whatever species you are when you you know if you check out your polyamory groups you can ask like hey i'm curious about play party communities um, is anybody, you know, have a community where you guys throw play parties on the regular? Like, I'm, I'm curious about that. And that kind of curiosity where you're just being genuine and being polite, you know, once people get to know you and know that you're kind of safe, meaning that you're not an asshole or a jerk or, you know, you're some sort of predator, you know, who doesn't give a flying fuck about consent. Once people start to get to know you and they feel safe with you, then, you know, people will be like, oh, well, there's this community who, you know, this person hosts play parties or swinger events, or this person has a dungeon in their basement and has people come over sometimes. Like, now we're back to the social situations of 
how do you get to know people? How do you make people feel like they can trust you? And are you a decent human being? That's very good. I feel like that was like so encompassing of so much uh, group sex spring training <laughs> for everyone listening to this. Yeah. Right? That was fantastic. That answers a lot of questions too. I feel like I'm still pretty young. And so the, the whole concept of monogamish to me is very interesting. Cause like when you're not really sure, you're like, well, group sex sounds fun, but I don't want to necessarily like be poly, at least at this stage in my life. It's like this, these are, I feel like this is very actionable. <laughs> like, okay, I can talk to my partner about this. We can plan for this. And like you said about the couple, like it's all, you also can start to learn about it and dip your toes in without necessarily going through with it quite yet. And, kind of deciding as you go like we know we can yeah. do this but um <laughs> but maybe we're not ready yet so that i think that's i'm just like taking and, it all and in. and my my overarching advice for for people who are in relationships who are looking to to explore orgies and things like that is when you find you know a group that has a play party and you're going to go to it whether it's a swinger play party or you know kink play party or poly type play party or or just queer a queer play party um or gay one just go and and agree that you're just going to go there and watch like you're not going to play with anybody yeah. because people who are people who are savvy about play parties they get when a couple shows up or when a single person shows up and they say you know what this is my first event and i just want to watch we that get that mean. we're like yes that's a great choice as a first play party for you and your partner, just watch. Like, because understand that you are so far ahead of what most people will achieve in their lifetimes, like that you're even at a play party. Most people on the planet will never go to one, even if they fantasize about it. True. Like you are you are so of what was possible to most of us in our little minds when we were in seventh grade. Like you are a superhero if you're even at a play party. You don't have to participate. Voyeurism is participation. Oh, that's so awesome. I love that. If people want resources, they can go to readaboutsex.com forward slash play party and sign up and they'll get access to a whole bunch of things. And then people are always welcome to email me and, and you know ask me questions and stuff like that. And my email is read, R-E-I-D, at readaboutsex.com. And I'm going to link all of this in our show notes too, just so people can directly click. And if you know they can't remember or they're listening somewhere, they can't write it down, I'll make sure that they have links to that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. And... This was so interesting. I feel like we learned so much and everybody who's listening is going to learn so much. This was the perfect episode to come back with the Fleshbot podcast. So, Welcome back. Yeah. where I know we have your website. Where can we find you on social media? Uh, it's almost everywhere. It's, it's at readaboutsex. I mean, so readaboutsex on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. Um, the only place it's not that is on LinkedIn. Awesome. I need to follow you on Pinterest. I love Pinterest. Yeah, please. <laughs> well, I am going to sign us off then. For all of our listeners, you can find us on fleshbot.com and at fleshbot on all the social media too. Unfortunately, not on Pinterest. They have some pretty intense uh, <laughs> pretty intense um, rules about nudity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, we will see you guys and again in a couple weeks. We're going to be doing this um, every other week. So we will see you soon and we will have read back, I'm sure, many times. Yay. Woohoo. Well, have Bye, a everybody. wonderful Tuesday. Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye.